Welcome to Radio KAL, the Superman podcast brought to you by supermanhomepage.com. The number one Superman fan site in the world. This is our show number 113, lucky 113, uh, released on May 28th, 2014. Uh, my name is Steve Eunice and joining me is my good friend and co-host, Scotty V. Hey, Scotty. Hello, Steve. Hi, everybody. How's it going? Going well. Now, uh, we've uh, got a few things to talk about this month. It's been an interesting month in the world of Superman with uh, details on the new Batman v Superman movie uh, coming out in 2016. We've got a title now. We've got uh, we've seen Ben Affleck in the costume. We've got uh, all different things to talk about, some big hap- things happening in the comic books with the Superman Doom saga all happening. So quite a bit to get to this month. Yeah, busy month. Surprisingly, there was a lot of film uh, stuff. I was surprised uh, so far in advance that we're getting so much information. I feel like there's been a lot of complaining that we that people haven't seen enough and things haven't been happening. The same kind of thing happened with Man of Steel, mm-hmm. but we're much further away now, and I feel like we're getting much more. Yeah, well, let's uh, kick off with the title, as we've for a long while now we've been calling it Superman slash Batman, as you're... Uh, <laughs> Very, um, if we've heard you say many times before, um, we've been calling it Superman versus Batman, Batman versus Superman, Superman Batman movie. We've included other characters in the title just because there's so many things have been going on. But we know officially now that it is called Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice. Now, the V obviously stands for versus, but there's been a bit of conjuc- conjecture about why not VS for versus, and uh, there's a bit of a uh, some theories behind that. Uh, what was your initial reactions to that title? Well, obviously, I mean, the first thought you see is that it's Batman versus Superman, and then your mind kind of clicks back to the idea that you didn't read versus, you read V, and then you go, why V? It's kind of weird. Uh, so, yeah, it seems like it's it, it, it it's just a short way to stand for versus, which is odd because the title's long and cumbersome to begin with. I don't really think adding an S there would have made it too long and cumbersome if it's not that way already but uh you know i've heard some things i watched uh, like a lot of the people who were commenting on uh, last week's speeding bulletin i watched the same amc special um where they talked about what it meant and they mentioned the court cases they mentioned uh you know uh, how it's normally when the plaintiff's going against the defendant it's they use v and that's obviously why they did it and what it means and and maybe he's going to take him to court and that kind of thing <laughs> but um obviously uh it's it, it at least seems to stand for versus right now and they may very well have said well in court cases v stands for versus so we can use v here and i guess that's what they decided to do you know what my theory is on this it's actually i'd love to hear it it's actually a tribute to you Ah, well, you know, uh, uh, I've heard lesser theories, so I'll go with that. <laughs> Scotty V, that's what the V stands for. I mean, it was obvious from the very get-go. Oh, well, <laughs> you're right. I just didn't want to, I didn't want to seem too egotistical. You, yeah, you didn't want to toot your own horn? You know, so I'm just, I'm being humble with it and kind of letting it <laughs> sit there for a while. But uh, now that you brought it up, I, I totally agree. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, there has been some speculation or some theories about, you know, in legal matters, um, you know, someone who has a grievance against somebody else is the, you know, the first person's name. So it's, you know, say if it was Eunice V. Vinacomi, then it's 
um, you know, me ha me having the grievance against you as being, you know, I'm the one who's bringing forward my argument against you or I have a problem against, you know, uh, uh, that, you know, f uh, against what you've been doing or whatever it might be. So uh, for people who, for Superman fans who, you know, why does Batman's name get to go first? This is supposed to be Man of Steel sequel, Man of Steel 2. You know, why is Batman taking uh, precedence over Superman in the title? Um, I guess you can look at that as being a reason. Um or you can just go alphabetically, Batman comes first. Um, or you can say Batman is more popular, so people are going to want to see Batman's name first and, and grab onto that first. I don't think it really matters, but for me personally, I like the idea of, it, you know, and, and the V in there kind of makes sense to me if, the, if you want to go with that theory that Batman, you know, the story of this movie is the fact that Batman has a grievance against Superman and what happened in Man of Steel and he's coming forward, you know, as, you know, um, taking umbrage against what happened, uh, and that you know maybe Superman shouldn't be the you know or um, taking you know um, responsibility for the damage and everything that had gone on there. So uh, I guess it's something that we can look at, and we won't really know until we do actually hear uh, some kind of a uh, outline as as to what the movie's plot is. Yeah, I mean. I, uh, it makes sense if you're going to go with the versus idea. I mean, uh, those of you who know uh, have heard many of my grievances with the idea of a Batman versus Superman, uh, not the least of which that I haven't talked about much is they really shouldn't be fighting anyway. Mm. Uh, they should be working together based on what we know of them. Uh, but we also know that the movie parts of these comic book universes don't always jive exactly with uh, what's going on in comic books, but plenty of times they've been almost adversaries, even though working for the same thing. And then other times they've been really close friends and confidants. So it doesn't, it's not like it's completely out of place that, that Batman would have a grievance or that Superman would have a grievance with Batman either way. And uh, it's, it's almost you know, like a cliche at this in comic books, isn't it? When the first meeting of characters, they always have a bit of a dis misunderstanding and aren't really sure about each other. I mean, they can't be best of friends without having met before. So it makes sense that in a in an origin movie about the two of them meeting each other, that they would be a bit wary of each other. They don't know anything other than what they've seen in the press, in the media. And so from Batman's point of view, all he knows is that he's this, you know, super alien who's, you know, caused a lot of damage, Metropolis, and uh, supposedly he saved the world. But, uh, you know, Batman's very sceptical by nature and a bit mistrustful. So, and then on the other side of things, you've got Superman who he has heard about this urban legend of this, you know, Dark Knight who, you know, uh, sets Gotham right using fear and, and, you know, standover tactics. And maybe he doesn't agree with the way he does things. And so... Obviously, at first, there's going to be a little bit of, you know, I'm not sure about you. And, um, you know, they might, you know, like I said, it's a real comic book cliche where the two heroes, you know, fight against each other, go up against each other. And then they realize that they're actually on the same side of, the, of justice. And the real villain is the guy who's behind the curtain who's been pulling their strings. Um, yeah, obviously... Uh, you're right. Everything you say in terms of um, it's been used before and meeting for the first time. And also the way Man of Steel set it up, not that it was purposely doing so, but it, but if we take the theory that most people seem to have, and that is that Lex Luthor and Bruce Wayne are going to be kind of coming together to try and rebuild things or working separately to try and rebuild things. And then, of course, Lex blaming the alien and uh, and, and Batman being worried about the alien. It also makes a lot of sense, you know, when you look at 
you know, I've always kind of disliked the really negative, um, uh, distrustful, I'm better than all of you. So when you need me, give me a call, Batman. That's, mm. that's the, that's what, what over recent years has really soured me to the idea of the character. Yeah. But I've recently gotten caught up on the, um, on the JL comics of the new 52 and their version of Batman is much uh, I haven't read any of the Batman standalone comics but mm-hmm. from what I'm seeing the new 52 Batman is not exactly what he was before the new 52 and that is this 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 guy who didn't trust anybody and and was only there because he was needed and uh it seems to me that this is a Batman that's that's that likes these people and that cares about Superman and that is interested in what's going on so I can also see the idea from a standpoint of not knowing who Superman really is, just hearing about him and seeing about him for the first time, just like we all did when we watched Man of Steel, not only was all that damage caused, but somebody like Batman could say, but on the other hand, he was in the middle of a fight with some people who are just as strong as him. What else could he do? So secondarily, I could see him saying, but seeing how much damage was caused by these rogue Kryptonians, what happens if Superman one day does become rogue mm. and then you get that whole thing where he figures out or finds out about kryptonite or makes the ring or has it there or Superman gives it to him or whatever. Mm-hmm. So the idea of all that makes a lot more sense after you see what happened in Man of Steel when you did have rogue Kryptonians uh, bent on destroying everything. Yeah, all he's got is Superman's word that he won't do what Zod tried to do. So, you know, it's obviously there's some uh, trust issues there that Superman has to work through in. Uh, the follow-up to Man of Steel. But on the flip side of things, we haven't really looked at the end of the movie's title, which is Dawn of Justice, which to me is an obvious nod to the fact that this is a prequel to Justice League, uh, not just a sequel to Man of Steel. Dawn of Justice! Uh, That's what, when I hear that, that's the way I feel like I need to say it. (laughs) Just like excited with my fist clenched. Um, But yeah, obviously, uh, we've heard that Justice League will now be the next movie for certain. And uh, uh, the the, the, the Dawn of Justice title makes sense as Batman and Superman were two of the leaders that started the Justice League. In most incarnations, they're the ones who are around at the very beginning along with Wonder Woman, and we know she's in this movie. So a lot of it's starting to come together toward a Justice League, and all of it makes much more sense with that title. Uh, A lot of people have been saying it's redundant, it's cliche, it's whatever. My take on it is this may or may not be the, the, the title that sticks. This could be a filming title. This could be a title that they're using right now. This could be a title to kind of give people an idea of what the movie's going to be about, and that is uh, these two guys coming together for the first time, maybe not seeing eye to eye. And But as you see through the title, the title itself goes through sort of a, uh, a transformation. It starts off kind of adversarial with Batman versus Superman, and it ends with dawn of justice which means that we're almost being told right off the bat that at the beginning they're gonna they're gonna be distrustful of each other but by the end they're going to uh give birth to the justice league for lack of a better word <laughs> yeah no i 100 percent see that same uh parallel there so um i think this will be the title they'll stick with they've done the logo and everything which was an interesting logo uh, a lot darker, a lot more gritty. Uh, there was a bit of uh, the S missing from the bottom of the right-hand corner. That seemed to be, you know, a chunk of it missing there. Uh, it looks very, um, 
yeah, gritty is the word I would use for the logo uh, of the Batman v Superman movie. I've heard people mention that a bit of the S is missing from from the uh, logo, but if you look closely, both the S and the Bat are both damaged in the same spot, yeah. and it goes completely through the entire logo. Yep. So both logos are damaged there, and it makes sense if you're going to be in a movie where they're versus each other. Maybe there is some damage. Um, I don't know that we're going to see a Dark Knight Returns type of story here where they physically fight each other, although Zack Snyder did say they will have a physical altercation or two. Uh, he also said we're going to be doing another Superman movie. Uh, he also said we're not doing the, the Dark Knight Returns story. So we don't know exactly what we're getting, and we don't know that that, that Zack has been completely forthcoming in, mm-hmm. in, in telling us the things that he has told us. So we just have to wait and see, but... Yeah, I, I understand. And the logo could stay the same, even if the title doesn't. Um, that Batman Superman logo is not original. It's been it was it was it's been pilfered from the Batman Superman comics. They've been using that for 25 years. So uh, it's exactly what I would expect it to be in a yeah. Batman Superman movie. Uh, so I don't know if, if, if people who are confused by it or who don't understand why it's the way it is or why the bat is bigger than the S or what, you know, this is the symbol that we have been seeing since the idea of having a Batman Superman comic in the modern age came about. So it's not all that unusual to see it that way. Uh, the only thing that they would have to remove is the bat, is the actual written title underneath to turn it into whatever they would turn it into, um, but yeah, you're right. This this obviously is the announced title and, and most likely the title they'll be going with. But I have certainly seen through testings and, and, and through, you know, we're two years in advance. I have seen movies change their title. I have seen trailers for movies that have a title. And when the movie comes out, it's called something else. So we're we're a long way away from a trailer. And yet I have seen movies change their title. I've also seen scenes in trailers that don't exist in the movie at all. Mm. So many uh, changes can uh, undergo uh, during the making of a movie, especially when you're this far away. But uh, for now, I do like the logo. Uh, being that it's a Batman and Superman collaboration movie, so uh, the title uh, people I've heard I've heard mostly negative about the title, and that's why I say it's still possible that they might change it, especially based on audience reaction. But I think either way, they know that they they probably have a pretty good money maker on their hands here, so the title isn't going to matter all that much. No, so uh, that is the title: Batman v Superman: Dawn of Justice. Uh, released in cinemas May 6, 2016. Uh, even that could change at this point in time. But we are, as we said, within the two years now, uh, this being the end of May issue of uh, Radio KAL. Um, so May 2014 uh, to May 2016. Uh, I have, of course, of left. already used my stolen Legion flight ring and gone ahead and watched the film, but I'm not going to spoil any of it for you. Okay, thanks. I appreciate that. So you You're do welcome. know the actual title of the movie, then? I do, I do, but I do. Making out, you don't. Well, of course. Very good. Whatever I talk about from now on has to be a fake out because I already know exactly what happens. <laughs> All right. Uh, the we do know also that the movie is uh, filming is underway on the movie. Uh, in the announcement that they released for the actual title of the film, they let um, loose the fact that they are filming in Detroit, Michigan, uh, also in Illinois. Africa and the South Pacific. Yeah, Africa was Africa was the one that kind of stood out to me as being um, strange and mm. odd. You know, um, you don't really think of movies being filmed in Africa. 
you know, you get a lot of Australia, you get a lot of uh, New Zealand, yeah. uh, but Africa uh, was seemed. Um, I'm wondering what exactly it is that they'll be filming there. Yeah, people are speculating about um, you know something from Themyscira, some something you know. Um, yeah, I don't know. Depends. You know, is it Africa? As in Africa, um, you know, with lions and tigers and and things like that, or is it you know Africa somewhere in the, in the cities? Um, it'll be interesting to see what comes of it. But um, we do know they are filming at the moment. We've seen some uh, paparazzi photos of. Zack Snyder in the street there in Detroit, Michigan. We've seen uh, Gal Gadot in her in a blue dress as Diana um, Prince uh, in her role there in the film. So uh, a few things starting to leak out. And one thing we can be certain of, um, you know, unless they really shake things up, is that for the people who are upset about Superman and Wonder Woman being a couple in the comics, doesn't look like we're going to get a chance to get that here. So be yeah. happy. <laughs> we are still working on the uh, Superman Lois relationship in this continuity in the film, so uh, I don't see that happening. But it'll be interesting to see if there was a bit of chemistry there and what, you know, uh, how that came about. But uh, so that filming is underway. We've, we're seeing uh, some photos coming out now. We've seen uh, the Kent farm uh, completed uh, with crew taking off the boards and and things there, the weatherboards and what have you, getting to, ready to film there in uh, Yorkville, Illinois. Uh, which is the Illinois mention that uh, was in that uh, press release. So uh, exciting times, filming underway for Batman v Superman: Dawn of Justice. It is strange that so much uh, is is already being done when we're so far away. And I know we talked about before the delay and and and, and why. And obviously, if they had to move for any reason, it made more sense to go the full year and and come back out the next. But um, that this much is going on, you think if there was a delay, then they would just wait. But uh, I guess they have enough to do and they have enough effects to add and they have enough filming that it'll take them the better part of a year to do. And then the after stuff. Yeah, I would guess this, the after stuff is probably the parts that uh, will probably take more time than anything else. Um, also, maybe weather factors uh, come into play, you know, depending on what type of, you know, what they're, what they're needing in Africa. And, you know, you've got to think, uh, you know, uh, it's, it's spring there or about to be spring in the U.S. now. So... Uh, about to be summer in the U.S., so uh, in the next month or so. So, um, you know, and then in Africa, what's, you know, I guess it's the same kind of thing there where you have to think about what kind of conditions there are, what they need for outdoor on-location shots. So that probably comes into play as well. Yep, all that stuff is, uh, yeah, obviously they had whatever delay they had to begin with, and now they have extra time. So whenever they run into things like that throughout the filming, they'll have that extra buffer. time to kind of, yeah, buffer themselves. Yep. And then, of course, we uh, also had the one, the other big thing that came out, and that was before the uh, title was announced, and that was uh, Zack Snyder's two day release of the picture of the Batmobile. That's right. Uh, he one, one day he revealed a photo on Twitter of the rear of the Batmobile with a tarpaulin over the top of it saying uh, he was going to unveil the Batmobile the next day. Uh, but not only did we get uh, a revelation of the Batmobile the next day, but sad Batman was standing next to it. <laughs> sad Batman. That's funny. <laughs> Uh, I, uh, you know, what's interesting about this is, uh, and, and uh, you know, people have put together their own logos where they put the sad Superman picture from Man of Steel, the original mm -hmm. uh, kind of really dark poster that was released with him looking down and, and the Batman from this 
uh, Twitter release next, you know, side by side, and they really do look very similar. They're standing in a very similar pose. So I know everybody's making a big deal about him being sad Batman, but it's really very, very similar to what they had already done with Man of Steel in the first film. Um, and here we have uh, the Batman uniform that is very, uh, very much like the, uh, the 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 Dark Knight Returns costume that we were talking about before, and also I thought it was like the Year One costume um, mm. as well. Yeah, we uh, got the f- photo that Zack Snyder posted was very dark, very shadow, uh, very shadowy, and uh, a lot of people have then um, you know used Photoshop and other programs to. Uh, lighten the the photo, uh, you know, change the exposure so that we got more detail, more, you know, uh, un- lifted the shadows, if you like, to be able to get uh, some more detail on the costume and the Batmobile itself. And uh, people have colorized it and done all different variations of whether it's a gray suit, whether it's a black suit, whether it's a, you know, a blue suit, uh, all different types of variations of colorizations. And uh, it'll be interesting to finally see a color version of the costume um uh, because the photo was a black and white photo um so to see what the actual colors of the costume are but all in all i'm I'm, you know i'm not a very big i'm not a big batman fan by any stretch of the imagination but i like the costume i i don't mind the uh the bat symbol on the chest the design of that uh, which obviously we've seen in the uh official uh image uh, you know poster image of the title image that we've seen combining the two logos together uh, it looks good. It's a, it's a very Jim Lee type of uh, of, of costume design, and um, uh, you know, for what it is, I'm sure Batman fans are happy. Yeah, I mean, I've heard a lot of complaints about it, but uh, I was surprised because I, you know, I've been saying for years um, with the Batman movies uh, because I, I I really like superhero movies and I go to see them, and mm-hmm. as we all know, I was disappointed with the Nolan films. But one thing that always bothered me about the Batman costumes on film was that none of them were really like anything he's ever worn in the comics at all and i know we've changed around the superman uniform for the new man of steel movie but it's still very very similar to to what he wears minus the trunks pretty much is really all that was changed uh there's some piping and some different things that but i mean these are just uh these are just accessories and things that make that that you know enhance it a little bit but they're not they didn't change the overall look of the uniform. Uh, people talk about the color and things, but in different lights, in different scenes in the film, you can see it's very bright and others, it's very shiny, uh, in, in darkened environments, it's darker, but that means that the suit still retains what it generally looks like. And in the Batman films, especially the Nolan ones, they were, they seem very puffy to me. You know, the, the fact that they were armor, it was kind of fat. Like his face was really round and fat and big. But I've heard people complaining about this picture, saying that it looks like a, a rubberized fake muscle suit. And I don't know how they can see that much from, from a grainy black and white Twitter photo. Uh, but to me, it looks like a, a body tight suit that is enhanced by the actual wearer's muscles. That, that is actual, you know, uh, and whether or not Ben Affleck really gets that large, the idea being that Batman, Bruce Wayne, is that large because he works out so much and because he needs to be in order to be the Batman that he is as a plain old human being, but but at the peak of human conditioning. So I don't I don't have a problem with it, and I, I like how it looks, and I, I feel like it's going to be either very dark blue and gray or black and gray, which mm. again makes me happier than any of the bat suits that we've had in the movie so far, because it's much 
closer to and maybe exact to what we've already seen in different arc incarnations in the comics. Yeah, and look, even if there are definitions on the costume, I mean, he's the guy dressing up as a bat. Uh, if he's gonna, if he if he wants to strike fear in people's minds and criminals' minds, of course he's going to put more of a muscular definition on the front of his costume. If that's some kind of a design element that he wants to put in there, if he's, you know, if it's not just all muscle of him being underneath, but um, at least there's no bat nipples. <laughs> yes, that's very true. <laughs> we could have had bat nipples, so exactly. consider yourselves lucky. People. That's, that's right. right. Joel Schumacher still around, so. <laughs> So that was the Batman costume and Batmobile reveal by Zach I love the Snyder. Batmobile because to me it looks much more like the Batmobile from the Michael Keaton movie which I was a big fan of mm-hmm. and it looks it looks more closely resembling of the comics Batmobile than this big giant tumbler that was a military machine mm. that really didn't to me didn't seem to fit Batman's persona at all. Yeah. So um but uh, we're interested, waiting for any more, you know, reveals of costumes. Wonder Woman's costume is obviously one that fans want to see. But for Superman fans, we're really interested to see what kind of tweaks they've done on the Man of Steel costume. Uh, is there some color tweaks? Is there some design tweaks? It'll be interesting to see what they come up with for the Superman costume. We wait. Uh, I'm not really sure what they one. could change. I mean, I really like the way the Man of Steel costume looks. I'm looking at my uh, statue from the Man of Steel right now, and you can see the whole costume on it. I mean, the only difference, uh, the only thing I might add is some more uh, reds, uh, which would be in line with where the briefs were that everybody wanted them to remove. Maybe a belt. Uh, But what would a belt do for Mm. Superman? Other than if you think he needs to carry a cell phone or some money (laughs) or something. But, uh, you know, I don't really know what, what it would do other than just look more like the comic book uniform, which I am a fan of, but 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 why? And at mm. this point, I would, well, from my point of view, I would maybe, I would, if they were going to tweak it, I would. I like the costume design itself. The colors, I would wouldn't mind seeing maybe a little bit of a brighter blue, and the yellow needs to stand out a bit more in the in the symbol because at most in most photos it you know came out as being a dull gray or you know not even showing yellow so i'd like to see a bit of a lift in the colors a bit of a brighter version nothing nothing too drastic just a bit of a subtle change so that it showed up better in inserting in certain lighting um you know uh situations and maybe the cape a little bit shorter so it's not dragging on the ground all the time yeah, yeah, I could see that, the cape being shorter. I, I, I do want to go back to what I mentioned before. If you remember the scene in Smallville where he's confronting the giant uh, Kryptonian and and, uh, and Feora, the suit is very bright. You can see all three colors oh, yeah. very, very clearly. It's very bright. So depending on the lighting, you might that might not be that much of a problem. Maybe they just need to be more be, be more brighter when they're filming yeah, you know more conscious uh, of their lighting situations for filming. or maybe you know that was purposely done theme wise that was the that was the bright hope in smallville as it was being trashed the the idea of mm. this uh, you know when they had the american flag on the building in the background uh, all that stuff kind of popped out in that particular scene whereas yeah. a, whereas most of the movie was very kind of dark and, and a bit of a downer which i think is which i think is the biggest negative that that most of the negative reviewers failed to really tap into when they were just trashing it for not being a Donner movie and not and not having the lightness of self that those movies had. I think it was more it more needed to be said that in most of the reviews I read, they didn't mention it just really is depressing and really 
they take it very seriously and that is one thing that the uh, DC movies seem to do whereas Marvel you know you got Spider-Man jumping around making jokes which yeah. which I love which is fun and but but in the Nolan Batman films and in this this new Man of Steel film it's very somber and it's very serious which it would be if you were in the situation that um, Clark was in in Man of Steel. It's not really a jokey type situation, and it's not light at all. So, mm. as far as showing him smiling or showing him being happy that he's Superman, we had that little montage before all the trouble broke. But but once the trouble happens, do you really? Even in real life, do you really want your police officers and your army men joking no, and and uh, like laughing? Mm. And <laughs> you know, we can't wait till we have some beer. Uh, no. <laughs> Uh, it's a serious thing, so it should be serious. But I do understand that Marvel movies are oftentimes considered more fun because of that. But you also, when I watch them, I don't really ever get the sense that things are really oh, yeah. terrible yeah. or horrific. Yep. Yeah, they always seem to have a bit of a jokey attitude towards what's going on. But uh, so that's what things are at, where things are at with the movie. Uh, we don't have too much beyond that at this point in time, but that's pretty good for, like you said, two years out to get all that kind of detail uh, at this point in time. So uh, we keep an eye out, keep an eye out on the Superman homepage for all little details and you know things that come out, rumors and speculation and news and announcements uh, over the next two years. Yeah, we will. It's going to be exciting. All right, let's move into some TV news now. You and I were big fans of the Young Justice animated series, which sadly. Uh, died after the end of the Young Justice invasion uh, season. And it was, like, at the very beginning of 2013, um, still on TV, and the Daytime Emmy Awards reached back to that point in time, and Young Justice has been nominated for a Daytime Emmy, believe it or not. It's very strange that so much time has gone by, and I felt like this was done. And uh, here we are seeing uh, proof positive that, that this was a great show and, and managed horribly. And, uh, and somehow, uh, for, through some business decision, it was yanked off the air very prematurely. It was getting better and better, and it was great. And, uh, and, and here we have a nominated for an Emmy Award. I don't expect it to win because... Um, uh, it, it was. It is largely forgotten and, and largely unnoticed, unfortunately. Um, but I think that the Cartoon Network, and I, I think it's been proven time and time again with Justice League, with Justice League Unlimited, with the Superman animated show, that that Cartoon Network is not the right venue. Uh, for this, and maybe I'm wrong on animated. That might have been. Uh, I think that was on the WB. I don't know if it ever switched over. But the point is, is that a lot of these shows. As good as they might be and as and as better as they get with time, seems like they kind of just get lost in the fray of whatever it is Cartoon Network thinks is important at the moment. Yeah, now it is sad that uh, Cartoon Network seems to jumble up the timing and the, the scheduling and, and that kind of you know, hinders the, the popularity of these shows that really do need a constant and, you know... Um, just regular audience, you know, to be able to maintain uh, their momentum. But uh, the Daytime Emmy Awards uh, recognise programs that uh, aired from 2am to 6pm during the 2013 calendar year, uh, which uh, Young Justice did. And re-recording mixer Carlos Sanchez has been nominated for his work on Young Justice um, and will go up against fellow nominees in the re-recording mixer uh, category. Um, for, for sound and that so uh, congratulations to him for his nomination and uh, we the 
uh, actual daytime Emmy Awards will take place at the Beverly Hilton Hotel in Beverly Hills on Sunday, June 22nd. So we will uh, let you know whether Young Justice wins uh, for Outstanding Achievement in Sound Mixing for Animation uh, when the Daytime Emmy Awards are aired. And by the way, I fully expect uh, there to be a continuation of Young Justice uh, on uh, DVD uh, with their with their movie animation uh, studio still churning out things uh, at the rate that they are. I, I would expect to, to see a uh, Young Justice movie um, uh, sometime soon. Mm, well, we can only keep our fingers crossed that... Uh Warner Brothers Animation do uh, do something with the Young Justice uh, people and the kids and the, the crew and the you know the characters because uh, it, it was a, a fantastic series, great storylines, great characters, great animation. So uh, hopefully there is something in the pipeline for Young Justice fans down the track. All right, uh, let's get into our comic book chat. Uh, as I mentioned at the top of the show, Superman Doomed has been the saga that's kind of taking. Uh, shape over all the Superman, all over the main Superman titles, main family of comic book titles in the Superman world. Uh, we started off with Superman Doomed number one, the one-off special. Uh, what did you make of this comic book? I uh, really enjoyed it thoroughly, and I I feel um, I feel somewhat relieved because uh, in a way I kind of felt like what has been going on in the Superman comics um, hasn't been all that great lately. Um, and, and, you know, when we heard about this doomed thing, it kind of smacked of, uh, gimmick, it kind of smacked of, you know, you're just trying to sell books, that kind of thing. But, um, I really felt like they got the character in a way that oftentimes it seems to, he seems to not be gotten since the, uh, since the dawn of the new 52. I also really love the artwork and, uh, I, I found it, uh, I found it to be very striking to look at. Um, there are some moments that stand out. The the whole "I promise" thing that that he's that he's going through this fight, and he promised that he would protect them all, and he promised that everybody would be okay. And the fact that it's very important to him to hold his promise. And then I was I was really shocked to see him kind of uh, uh, tear Rip Doomsday in, in half. That that was mm-hmm. very very shocking, especially since. This is a this is a more powerful version of Doomsday, and in the original story, uh, they both kind of fought to a standstill until they eventually died. It didn't seem like Superman w- would be capable of that, but uh, very interesting. I also love the scene with Perry uh, on the roof when he went and uh, you know was asked, "Didn't you quit? And what are you doing here?" And that that he asked Perry for advice. I, f- I found that to be very. Uh, very uh, nice to see and uh i have here written lex is right I, I don't remember what that is specifically in reference to but lex must say something in the story or do something in the story that makes him uh makes me say he's right uh, whether people are arguing with him in the story or trying to say that uh it's lex luthor we shouldn't trust him or whatever but um yeah uh, yeah i'm looking at I'm, I'm just flicking through the comic now and lex luthor tells Superman that he has to leave Earth, that Doomsday is the one, like that Doomsday is obviously attracted to him and the reason that he's here is because you know, of Superman. And so that Superman, um, I think Lex Luthor says, uh, like when he comes to the, um, to the Justice League emergency bunker, he says um, that, you know, Superman has to, you should just leave. And Superman actually says, says uh, no, Lex is right. Um, so Superman says Luthor's right 
and says that I'm leaving, but he's you know he's going to take Doomsday with him, and that's when he takes the fight to to Venus, um, and that's where he absolutely rips apart, or he actually yeah he destroys Doomsday, but um, or beats Doomsday, thinking that he's he's all done, but uh, Superman comes back to Smallville uh, to check in on what's going there with everyone having been you know out in a coma, and Doomsday actually follows him there. And that's where the final showdown uh, between Superman and Doomsday happens. And it's really, like, it's strange because you think the saga is called Superman Doomed and this is the first issue of this big, you know, ongoing story. And yet Superman defeats Doomsday at the end of the very first issue. But the story isn't about Doomsday. It's about the Doomsday virus that Superman is infected with, uh, having torn Doomsday apart. And, you know, obviously he's inhaled this virus and it's now part of in his bloodstream and everything and uh and that's the real challenge for superman as well as coming to terms with the fact that he has killed and part of this story was also about him you know talking to veritas dr veritas about you know what do i do i have to make the decision and you know do i kill him do i not kill him and she says you can't think about that now you just have to do what needs to be done and worry about who you'll be and what that means for you afterwards and that's kind of what Perry said when he went mm. to ask him as Clark. Uh, you know, he got he couldn't he couldn't be as open with him as with Veritas. But from the vague impression he gave Perry, Perry gave him the answer that he was looking for, and it was basically the same that Veritas gave. And mm. and, and that is that he has to he has to live by his principles. But sometimes that you have to skew those principles in order to succeed. Mm, the greater good, which is what he does here, and. Uh, the idea that Lex was right in that instance also goes back to the Batman v Superman situation or any of these forever evil situations, any of this type of stuff where, you know, we ask ourselves, would these creatures and terrible invasion forces come to our little cities and our little planet if Superman, if the Justice League, if these characters weren't here? And in a lot of cases, the truth is Lex is right in those situations, too. And that is you're the whole reason they're here. If you weren't here, they weren't here. You know, I just got finished reading, and we're going to talk about it coming up in Forever Evil. You know, one of his big points was we didn't have all these invasions. We didn't have all these alien forces coming. We didn't have interdimensional rifts and beings from other dimensions coming to kill us until you guys showed up. And uh, so the idea that you're the problem and you need to leave is uh, is correct. Valid, I mean, yeah. uh, you know, so – I think that's what that's what I was kind of getting at there with that as well. Yeah, so that le led into Action Comics number 31, which is a direct follow-on from Superman Doomed. And in this, uh, I, I like the fact that in these Superman Doomed uh, issues, we're getting a, a first page, which is a, uh, a page from the Daily Planet, and we see an article written by Lois Lane uh, recapping events or catching people up on events or reporting on events. Uh, I like that aspect of uh, each of these comics uh, leading into the actual story. Yeah, I thought it was cool as well. I also have written down the QPad 5 from Queen Industries. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, we have the iPad in real life and apparently, uh, apparently the Microsoft-type company over there or the or the apple type company over there is queen Industries, so we have the q pad five i thought that was cute and big belly burger down the bottom too and yeah, yeah. for that now uh in this issue we have uh superman you know dealing with the fact that uh he's sick 
um, and um, you know he's he's dealing not just dealing with the virus within him, but what it's doing to him psychologically as well. You know, he seems to be angry. He seems to want to hurt people. He seems to be imagining himself, you know, um, doing all these horrible things. And so he heads to the fortress to try to seclude himself, but that doesn't even work in, in itself because, you know, he goes out and destroys this, uh, this plane. Uh, thankfully, nobody's killed in doing that, but he's obviously not himself and he's, you know, f uh, having a hard time with this uh with this doomsday uh virus that's overtaking him and also we see uh still dealing with his own infection and how he manages to upgrade himself to um to deal with that yeah i i, uh, I like that that liquid steel that he was in mm -hmm. there and i like i like the way he he rebuffs uh senator lane when he comes and uh it's clear that that he really um, cherishes cherishes his uh, friendship with Superman and and isn't gonna isn't gonna sell him out for anybody or anything. So that was a really really nice uh, scene to see, and it was neat the way they kind of upgraded the idea of Steel that he can heal himself uh, in this steel type pool and it's liquid stuff that'll help him get better more quickly. Um, at first, when I started reading it, I thought that the art was very cartoony when compared with the the doomed thing, which of course is a special, and probably they took much more time on, and they made sure that it was just right. Whereas Action Comics comes out every month, so they're sometimes under time constraints. But as it went on a bit, I actually realized I kind of liked it, in spite of it looking a little cartoony. There was something I liked about it in a different way mm. than w the way I liked Doomed. So it ended up not being as bad as I thought it would be. I also uh, I also thought, and I'm sure not by accident, that the entrance to the fortress looked like the doorway to the scout ship uh, from him, from uh, Man yeah, of Steel. True. Yeah, I just noticed that now, true. Yeah, the coloring in this comic book is really good. The the uh, the different the mood that's set in all the different scenes is, is quite good. And we also have the scenes in Smallville with Lois uh, getting Lana closer to the actual uh, uh, those what's are going great. on. And uh, Lana shows her trust and and um you know just her belief in superman by you know taking off this the bio suit and believing that you know superman will make things right and you know she's hoping that he'll make things right but she shows just how much you know she has her belief she has in superman's goodness in the fact that he will fix things of course, she's not aware, like I'm sure Lois would be, since she has those uh, psycho mind-reading powers mm. that uh, that uh, Superman was willing to risk Lois's life on that whole parasite thing. <laughs> Lana's still naive of that, but um, but I yeah, I like that too, and it was very touching and and it was telling of the different relationship that Lana has to Superman to Clark that uh, that Lois doesn't have and uh, has only with Superman. And I don't know if Lois knows or not, but she definitely seems much more suspicious and much more unwilling, uh, which is starkly different to the way she is in Forever Evil, where she seems to be uh, very trusting and, and very connected to Superman, whereas uh, I don't feel like we've really seen in the three years that the New 52 has started. There there seemed to be a connection between her and Clark at the beginning, and now that's pretty much gone. And, and, uh, and really... I haven't seen much at all by way of connection between her and Superman, which is uh, very different between the way Lana is. And, and I like that Lana is still kind of an ongoing 
part of the the narrative you know back before the new 52 and and the 10 years before that as far as i can remember lana was around once in a while when she was a special guest star she'd show up she'd come in from smallville you know she she was running LexCorp for a while uh you know she was the president's wife for a while you know but she wasn't ever she was never uh used on a regular basis so i like that in action comics she seems to be present uh an awful lot i also wanted to mention that when he first attacked that plane, I, I was a little confused because I thought, why is he so angry? Because well, obviously he's being angered by this virus, mm. but it's something that, that causes him to get angry. And and I thought, what did they, is it that they shot Crypto? But then I'm like, well, Crypto's you know, invulnerable, so that wouldn't matter, but there's blood here. So they're clearly hunting wolves out in the wild. So maybe that's illegal or maybe they're not allowed or maybe they're poachers of some kind. But but, but as the story went on, no one said that they were illegal poachers. They said that they were hunters and uh, hunters are allowed to hunt. So I'm not really sure what he was so angry about other than he's just angry. But why that specific event made him so angry, I'm not, I'm not sure. Yeah, I just got the, the um, impression that violence of any kind kind of triggered that. You know, um, so that was the impression I got. It wasn't necessarily that they were legally hunting or anything like that. Just that the the whole acts of violence were kind of like starts boiling his blood kind of thing. You know, just the um, because of what Doomsday is, that something along those lines would would you know trigger the the, the virus and make it hard for him to kind of suppress. Hmm, fair enough. Okay, and that takes us into Superman Wonder Woman number eight which is uh, the second chapter of Superman Doomed, the infected storyline. And uh, again, we start with the Lois Lane uh, story uh, article um, telling us you know, where things are at. And here we have uh, Diana uh, finally finding Clark in his apartment. Um, this issue kind of bugged me a little bit because in, in searching for, for Superman... It kind of shows how, and I agreed with a little bit with the review on our website, it kind of showed how um, disconnected Superman and Wonder Woman are in their relationship and that it took her to, you know, like she, she investigated all these different things about Superman but forgot totally about Clark Kent's persona and the fact that he has an apartment in Metropolis to go look for him there. It kind of took Batman to trigger that to her and it just makes... It's obvious that Wonder Woman really doesn't understand Superman or Clark in the way people should in a relationship. If that's what they were going for. I mean, my first thought was it makes no sense, right? I mean, she's she's going to every single person in Clark's life. So it's not that she totally forgets that he's Clark because she's going around asking people who know Clark if they have yeah. seen him. So, yeah. so she knows he's Clark. So just just by way of logical deduction – You'd go, well, he's Clark and he lives here. And The only thing you can say is maybe she didn't know that he lives somewhere. She knows he's Clark and she knows he interacts during the day as a reporter and she knows that he knows Lois and Kat. But maybe she doesn't know. Maybe they never talked about that he goes mm. to an apartment. Um, you know, there was a story that I that I read in the uh, uh, in the Justice League run that I just read that he takes her to Smallville and, and they eat at a diner and she asks to meet his parents. So. Uh, it may be it may be possible that she's not aware that he had because that's really the only thing that makes sense would be she didn't know that he had an apartment she didn't know where his apartment was but then when Batman says it she says you know what you're right I'm a fool uh, I'm so single minded yeah, so 
it really is just a contrivance made by the writer to elongate the search process and make mm. it seem desperate and also to bring Batman in. But the funny thing about it is and, – and this happened to me again uh, on one of the other months. We had almost the same conversation about something else and it took the reviewer um, who you should probably mention. T.A. Hewitt. There you go. Uh, to point out to me that – you know, he said almost the same – I don't even know if it was the same reviewer. But he said almost the same exact thing and that is it makes sense. As long as you're not paying any attention, uh, you know, as long as you're just reading, in other words, stupidly and just taking what they give you and just reading. And and I can say that because I kind of was I was in the story. I was enjoying it. I just followed it for what it was. And as I was reading it, it never occurred to me that it was extremely silly that that she wouldn't look for his apartment unless she didn't know where it was. It just never – none of this ever occurred to me until I then read the review and it was pointed out to me and that is that is true. And I think it was almost like, well, we can't have her go there because then the story would be over on page one. Hmm. So we got to kind of have all these – you know, she'd never get to Lois. They'd never be this uh, you know confrontation with the soldiers. None of this other stuff would ever happen because she wouldn't need to go to Lois. She wouldn't need to go to Kat. She, you know, maybe those would be her first stops anyway um, and then she would get there. But you'd think that would be the first place she would go and then backtrack from there if he's not there. But, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, TAU was right. And, uh, you know, I don't know. I mean, I think they do this in stories because they want to have a certain thing happen. Like he mentions in the review that it was just a way to shoehorn Batman into the story. And (laughs) and maybe that's true. But with the way these comics are connected, and and that's that's one thing I wanted to point out, that what I like about this particular section – and it happened, I guess, in the Return to Krypton story and all that. But I like that they each have a part, and it's part one, and it's part two, and it's part three. And you know the order to read them in, and they mm. continue, they flow by from one to the other. And it seemed, when I was reading it, that it was very natural that 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 uh, Doomed would go into action, and then that action uh, with with Wonder would then lead into the Superman Wonder Woman, and the story makes sense from that point of view. They're in a relationship. She would be looking for him. She was worried about him from Action Comics. She mm-hmm. was worried about him, you know. And uh, but yes, it, it is very odd that she wouldn't check for him. I also thought it was weird that she shows up where Lois is like a minute after she calls her. Did she? And she's got a car. But she couldn't have been right around the corner from where Lois was in reality. So what did she pick up the car and fly there and then put it down and then yeah, was there? It is a bit strange or, coming into the sports car. Right. I thought, well, you know, when I first saw it, okay, she landed behind a tree and no one's going to ask her. That's going to be weird. But then I saw the car there and I said, well, did she like fly the car to like a block away and then drive to where they were at? <laughs> uh, you know, think because and that seems odd, too, because she has no disguise she's just wearing a trench coat with her wonder Wonder woman boots (laughs) so she doesn't seem like she would go to the trouble of hiding the fact that she needed to carry her car there so i'm not sure what happened there i also thought it was weird that he had this tiny little s on his naked chest (laughs) i'm not sure what that was supposed to is it are we is that supposed to be the uniform because it's nanites and it grows on him when he needs it and Mm. he's so large now because he's been infected that that's the size of it but when he was normal uh-huh. size, that was a normal sized logo on there. But uh, I, I love the, uh, I love the page. I love page twenty five where he's on the ground and she's holding him. I thought the artwork was really awesome there. And again, in this story, I needed to point out that I, uh, 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 I like Batman in this story and in this as we're going forward. I like he says things like 
we need to save him, not I have to put him down or, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's more, it's, it seems much more like genuine concern for Clark as opposed to we're the only ones who can make sure he doesn't hurt other people, which is also true, but he's saying it in a different way and it, it makes him seem much more likable to me. And uh, they're still playing up this whole thing about her not telling him I love you. And he even, you know, he says, you know, you couldn't even tell it to him. You couldn't even say it to me. And she says, you know how I feel about you. But she still won't say it to him. She's not saying it. I I, I think, you know, and at the time of reading it, I kind of had the same thought of what you were saying and what what Hewitt was saying. And that is that 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 there's clearly a, a large rift here that neither of them are addressing and they're clearly not as close and never will be as close as they should be to be in a relationship but having just read all the justice league you know I never read them I just this weekend for in preparation for this but also cuz I always wanted to and just never got around to it I had read justice league 1 back when it came out and read nothing else mm. so I read from 2 all the way up through all of the specials and all of the events and up till exactly where we are now in the present. And in reading those, I saw reasons why. Um, it, it makes sense based on the connection she has had going sour and and the thing with Steve and, you know, not being sure if she could trust people and coming from a, uh, an island where there are no men and she's taught from a very early age that men are the bad guy. It takes – it would take her – it makes sense that it would take her a much longer period of time before she was ready to say that sort of thing. And also she doesn't want to say that because then it, it means something different than what it might mean if she decides like she did with Steve that it, it needs to not happen anymore. And, and somebody like Batman who has pointed out to them that it can be very dangerous that you guys are together mm. could convince her at some point that they need to not be together. And since since Clark has – many more human emotions and, and is, and is much more tied into that emotional center. It might be much harder for him to realize that. Whereas she doesn't want to have to come back from the point of having said it before she's certain that that's the way they want it to go. Yeah. Now that's, that's where I seem to, that's where I was going with it. Yeah, no, I understand totally. Now that takes us into the next chapter of the Superman doomed saga, which continues in, Batman, Superman, number 11. And again, we have the Lois Lane article recapping events in this one. Uh, what did you make of this issue? Um, Batman, Superman, 11. Well, I, 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 I'm enjoying it just because I, I like the way it ru- they each run into each other, and I'm, I'm enjoying this storyline. I'm wondering how on that first opening page we mentioned that it's cool that the, uh, the Daily Planet's getting that page with her writing – the the articles and 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 photos and stuff. Hello, the one before the, the one before I think it said uh, a photo provided by uh, Jim Lee or something. Whoever drew you know whoever the artist was right. and that was kind of cute. This one said oh it was artist rendering of Doomsday. Oh, okay. And and the artist rendering was whoever the artist was on Doomed or Action Comics or whatever it was. This one says photo provided by photo Jimmy by Ols- Jim, James Olsen. Yeah. And it makes no sense because it's, because just- it's a photo. Of him half naked in his apartment where he was alone with Diana. Mm. And 
how would Jimmy Olsen have gotten that photo? <laughs> he wasn't there. He was nowhere near there. No one knew anything was going on there. I so want to click that's... on these buttons down the bottom that say, watch exclusive footage of the destruction in the Bahamas. Like, they got that little play button on there. I know. You know I think it would be really it. cool. If, well, yeah, if, you I'm, know, on my iPad, I'm reading my comics, and it's like, yes, I want to click on it and see yeah, it. Yeah, since, since, since it is, you know, a lot of comics now are being read digitally, it would be kind of neat if they had some sort of link, link that went back to those little things but i do that does bring an interesting point i do like how it's clearly a web page mm. and there may be a paper edition of the daily planet but what we're looking at is the web page and you know the whole thing started with the new 52 with them kind of trashing the old building and mm. and, and starting That's anew with this whole internet thing and, and that we're in the future and and uh it's it's uh, I, I think it's very cool as, now, we, as we go forward yeah now uh, this comic book has uh Batman uh, heading to the Fortress of Solitude. Superman's giving him the key to it. Uh, Wonder Woman and Steel both arrive to, to give him a hand. And uh, Batman and Wonder Woman and Crypto head into the Phantom Zone to you know trace back Doomsday's origin, like where he came from, find out what's going on, and try to get him back in there, and you know, or try to you know find a solution to this whole problem. And while in there, they come across uh, Mongol and um, uh, what's his name, uh, Non? Is it Non? Yes, of yeah, Krypton. No. And, uh, you know, have a Ghost Soldier, and there's, you know, a lot of fighting going on, and a lot of, you know, you don't know who's who, and Zadu, or Xanadu, as I like to call him. Uh, the Phantom King is also in there. And um, it's what I liked about this comic w was uh, Batman's uh, internal dialogue about, you know, and, and all the characters wanting to do what Superman would do, or thinking, what would Superman do? Yeah, I like I like that again. That's another thing that I like about Batman in this. He's very um, complimentary towards Superman, mm -hmm. even though he's not saying it directly to him in his little thought dialogue to mm -hmm. himself. Mm -hmm. It's all thinking about you know I I decided to do what you would do, and and even Steel says the same thing at the end. There, you know, they told him you we told you to to shut it down if anything happened, you know, and he said. Well, I got you know you've got thirty. I gave you extra time because I knew that's what Superman would do. Yeah, and I, that's that again. That's the same kind of thing that reminded me that this storyline seems to get Superman much more than other. And then the thing is, is that he inspires others. He brings mm. hope, and and uh, even when he's not around, or even when he's not part of the main action, as he wasn't in a lot of this story, he is still influencing actions that go on around him. You know, on the front page too, they mention Luthor as one of several prominent scientists that were brought forward to study this. And I never, I don't really, I know he's scientific and he's very smart, but I never knew that the rest of the world thought of him as a prominent scientist. It also seems, and this goes back to what I was saying before, that Lois doesn't seem to be Superman's friend or like him very much when she has headlines like super menace. Uh, that's her headline. Uh, mm. Normally, you know, Lois being as close to Superman as she usually is, she would be a little more protective in these headlines. And I wonder again if there's something in her mind that knows that Superman did what he did because she has those powers still happening. Yeah, I'm not sure also if I like that all that much. You know, mm. obviously we're trying to make Lois Lane just as important as everybody else. And she's always been a big part of the story. But she's always been a big part of the story by being in the story and by going after the story and by being tenacious and by being a human woman who won't stop until she gets the truth. 
And now they've given her powers and she's getting the truth by yanking it out of people's minds and by having powers, which is something Lois never was before. And it seems like they're still going to drag that out. So mm. um, she seems to I'm be affiliated sure. a little bit with Brainiac, is, I'm, I'm guessing. Like she keeps, she seems to be reporting back to Brainiac in some scenes that I've seen. It's, that's what it kind of indicates that she's, you know, not maybe not fully in control of, of, um, these abilities or, you know, fully knowledgeable about these abilities and maybe is being manipulated. Yeah, it's definitely very possible. In which case, I guess that it will go away. It's, writing it, it, it seemed like it seemed like she was cured of it during that storyline, but then we saw very soon thereafter that she still had the powers. So, um, who knows how long that's going to go? On the front page, they say the that front page picture of the Daily Planet. They say Doomsday Origin is found in the Northwest Indies, but then in the book, Batman says he was tracing Doomsday Doomsday's origin, and it led him to the Arctic. Mm, well. So. I'm, I'm not sure Batman's if that was technology is better than. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm not sure if that was confusing or if they meant that his first appearance in the world was at in in the yeah. Northwest Indies, but Batman traced him there because he escaped from the Phantom Zone. I guess is what they meant. I also like generally the Batman I'm used to, and the Batman that turned me off to Batman is the one that doesn't believe he has any um, frailties or any weaknesses. I like in this story and, and, and from what I'm seeing in the new 52 in general, that he knows he's has weaknesses. I forget exactly what he says in this story that, but it's something to the, to, to the, the, you know, to the effect that, you know, they could break me in half, you know, as soon as they could. So it's very surprising that, you know, you're, you're in danger by this or whatever, as strong as you are. So it's nice to see that, Batman is admitting to himself because it's all in uh, internal dialogue generally, but that he knows he does have weaknesses. Yeah, no. and I wonder how how Batman knows who Ghost Soldier is when the the panel right before when they say Ghost Soldier, he says who? Like he doesn't know who he is, but then and Diana has to tell him who he is, but he later later he says when you uh, I, I have a picture of you in my mind being stabbed. How does he know? that he was stabbed through the back with a phantom sword if he didn't even know who Ghost Soldier was a minute before. Mm, interesting. I didn't seemed like a, that. Seemed like a writing thing. But uh, And why does Wonder Woman have a bandage on her leg? Did that? She comes out of the portal and she has a bandage around her knee, like near her knee, and I don't know what that is. I don't and remember her getting hurt in the knee. Through. Um, where's, the, where's the bandage? Uh, right when Steel, when they come out and they start yelling at him, the I think it's the page right before that. It's a, I think it's a splash page, where they cut, where she comes, she tackles uh, Non. I think it's Non. Oh, okay. I think I don't think that's a bandage. I think that's like a leg band, but it's not there in every on every page. Oh, okay, well that's what threw me then because it wasn't there before and I didn't see it. I love the art inside, oh, yeah, but it's I wasn't not there before. No, it's not. It's on her left leg, but. It's, yeah, it looks, it could be a, a colouring problem or an issue. It looks like a, the background, I don't know, very strange, but it's not there in the final picture either, so. Um, but this chapter uh, will continue in Superman number 31, which will be released on May 28th, which is the date that this uh, podcast goes to air, Wednesday, May 28th. So uh, we will talk about uh, that chapter in our next podcast Next Can't month. Wait. I'm really enjoying the story. You know, these yeah. little things I'm pointing out seem to be writing errors or, or art flaws, but the story itself I'm enjoying. Yeah, we're nitpicking there when we're looking at little things, but they, sometimes they pull you out of the story when you're seeing those things and you don't understand 
where they fit in. But um, yeah, it is a great story so far and I'm enjoying it. And it's something different uh, with Doomsday, something we haven't seen before. So definitely uh, well appreciated. Okay, uh, well, you, you've touched on Forever Evil a little bit. Uh, did you want to talk about the finale number seven, finally released, Forever Evil number <laughs> seven? And that kind of also includes Justice League number 30. Both of those uh, tie in together, so we can probably talk about those jointly. Yeah, I mean, as I said, I decided this weekend that I was going to spend most of my time reading all the Justice League books and reading through all of the crossovers, and, and now I've gotten to Forever Evil, and I read all of those. And, you know... As story as a whole, I really enjoyed the Forever Evil uh, story, and I really loved what I love about it most is that Lex Luthor is the center. It is the he's the he's the guy in all of the uh, he's telling the story. He's the guy that it's from the perspective of. And as much as Michael Bailey seems to not appreciate it, I liked that he was the quote unquote hero of the story, and he really was. It's in some ways confuses me because I'm not really sure what his end game is but mm. but the Justice League seems to know he still has one and there seems to be something that they're still suspicious of and the weird thing is is that I've been reading now for 3 years and I read all the Justice League stuff and Lex Luthor did not have one altercation with the Justice League in the entire time that I read now of course there's a 5 year gap where we didn't see what exactly happened but in any of the flashbacks they don't show any altercations with Lex and from what i remember the only run in that superman really had with lex was in the very early stages where he captured him and tried to experiment on him or whatever then he went to jail and he's been in jail all this time but they seem they seem almost villainous in their hatred of the guy who at least in the new 52 we haven't really seen them given specific proof that he's a bad guy. And what he has done here, along with some of the other quote-unquote villains, is nothing less than save everybody's asses. So I'm not sure. I mean, I guess I can understand them not wanting him, him to join the Justice League. But on the other hand, why not? Uh, based on what I've seen of Lex Luthor and based mm -hmm. on what they've shown us, other than, well, you guys all know that Lex Luthor's a bad guy, so we don't need to tell you. I mean, I just saw him as a great hero in this. And he did some he did some shady things like, you know, say good luck to Batman, but then I guess stole the kryptonite ring somehow. But I love those moments. And I go, this is why I love Lex Luthor. This is what I love about him. He is clearly focused on saving the world, and he is the quote-unquote hero in this story but he still has a secondary goal and that was there and that in that position was to steal the ring and 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 obviously something else is going on you know he shows up at alfred's door uh saying he wants to see batman mm, could you tell him i'm here i like that uh, it was very neat and i i really enjoyed it i i i like uh, I like the way the story went, and I like that Lex Luthor was the center of it. I, I have found myself enjoying every few years when they do this, where they do a, a, uh, a s secret society thing or they do a, uh, a Legion of Doom thing. I like how uh, Lex Luthor is the center of attention. And, and, and Michael Bailey even mentioned it. This is clearly not the Lex Luthor who was running away screaming at the, at the beginning when action first started. And mm -hmm. I'm not sure where that guy went or why that guy was there in the first place, but it seemed like they – decided to go back to a more confident Lex, a more dangerous Lex, a more capable Lex, and a kind of a braver Lex. Although I did find it funny in Forever Evil 1 when the helicopter's crashing, and, and it's because they have no power, 
he yells at the pilot that he's an idiot and he needs to pull up. <laughs> if there's no power in the helicopter, it doesn't matter what you do. You could pull up, down, you could go sideways. It's crashing. There's nothing he can do. So that was a little silly. But yeah. uh, but the ending of and, uh, that was pretty impressive, uh, him turning up at uh, Alfred's door asking, uh, t- you know, telling Batman, wanting to see Batman. I like that. Yeah, I, I liked it very much. I did find... And this is a this is a comic book trope, I guess, that they do every once in a while. You know, the last page of a lot of comic books is, and that's why the atomic skull will win. Um, I, I I I found it weird every single time they said it. In 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 Justice League twenty four, for instance, Ultraman tells a story that talks about it's it's not about good and evil. Uh, it's about what's what's best for the situation at hand or whatever, which makes sense. You know, the best villains are the ones that don't really think of themselves as being evil but then that flies in the face of this whole story because from the very beginning they're the crime syndicate and they're forever evil they the characters even say those things Mm. and it and it's silly to me because you know ultraman says himself that it's not really about good and evil it's about this is what we believe is best to protect our world or protect this world or rule this you know Obviously, they're bad guys, but when bad guys come out and say, I'm the bad guy, that's why it doesn't seem to cheesy. really work. Yeah. And I, I did have written down, why didn't the first round of Shazam uh, turn Alexander Luthor back? But now I realize that it's because it wasn't said backwards. Exactly. And Lex Luthor says it backwards to him on the ground. And again, another sequence that I loved. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Lex Luthor just getting the Using better of voice. all these, uh, you know... Uh, it was great. Superpowers now, and now in Justice League number thirty, we see uh, you know Lex Luthor, you know, leading the Justice League in in some in that in those opening pages, and uh, these uh, four days earlier page where they're showing the Daily Planet headline: Lex Luthor saves world, and this uh, intern or whoever he is asking, so what's so bad about Lex Luthor, and everybody throwing their newspapers at him? I found that interesting because he kind of echoes what you just said you know we haven't really seen uh, to date why lex luthor is is considered such a bad guy um you know by the general public of the continuity because from their point of view um you know we know superman knows he's evil or thinks he's evil or has a problem with him but the general public what why would they consider him evil well he did go to jail i can't remember because he was working with the government and they captured superman and all of that was on the books and yeah. they all knew they were doing that but then suddenly he was in jail and he was in this thing that nobody could get in and right. it was impenetrable and he designed, he designed it. <laughs> yeah. But I don't know why he was there. I never – so I don't know if that happened during the five years we didn't get to see, if that's something that yeah, we're going to find out about Maybe later. Maybe somebody listening can give us uh, some feedback as to you know, why Lex Luthor is considered, considered such a dangerous criminal in the, the DC universe that we're reading at the moment. Um, Scotty and I seem to have a – bit of a, a blank there as to why Lex is considered such a bad guy. I just guy. feel like nothing's been shown. I feel like it's almost like, well, we know he fought Doomsday and died before that happened, but it doesn't really make any sense that there could have been a time for it because mm. when it happened, he was married to Lois and, you know, things were sad and, or he was engaged to Lois and and the, the Justice League was different and, and Steele was there and it would all came out of him, you know, dying. So when did that happen? They're just saying, ah, it happened. Don't worry about it. Same kind of thing. Oh, Alex Luthor's a bad guy. Don't worry about it. But then we see this story where, yeah, he does some things that are offhanded, yeah. you know. But but at the same time, he is the only one that's that's able to come together 
uh, you know, come out of the rubble and, and defeat this. I actually did think, like Michael Bailey, that in the final issue, Superman was going to be the one to take out, um, well, as we found out at the end, Alexander Luthor. But in mm. the beginning, I thought he was going to be the one to take out Ultraman. Um, I thought that they were going to revive them before the very end. But it turns out that they really had no impact on the ending of this story. And it was all Lex and the oh, other villains, nice. which which is all I really have as far as a big Lex story to tell me the type of person that he is. And, and that that is a guy who would be willing to kill this cord guy. And kill his whole family and destroy everything unless he sells it to him. But then also by the end of the story decides he's not going to do that. So it seems almost like he's a ruthless businessman who will do whatever it takes to forward his goals. But at the same time, he can also correct himself and realize that that's not the right way to go. So it almost seems like he's just a human that makes mistakes. And he also says, you know, I told that story to Bizarro uh, to get him to come out of the dark, but it wasn't true. Um, I was unable to save my sister, not because I didn't try, but because I did try and made things worse mm. again, which shows that he's a human and makes mistakes, oh, but that he gets back up and learns from it. So it almost seems like he's admirable and very likable. And maybe that goes back to something Michael Bailey said in his review. And that is that Jeff Johns often makes the villains, the good guys, and often makes you Question. empathize with mm. them so much that you don't even know if they're villains. And that's kind of where I am. I know that Lex Luthor's a villain only because I know that he is, not because they've shown me that he is. And now, maybe they're going to get there. But there yeah, you go. maybe. Now they will get another cliffhanger ending with uh, with Jessica Krupp being chosen uh, for a Green Lantern ring. Um, interesting cliffhanger there. Yeah, I mean, I, I, is this a character people are familiar with? Is this somebody new? Do you know who she is? I've not heard of her before, no, but... Um, yeah, it's it's you know just I'm not sure. I'm just reading that. And last. It's a, of yeah. course, the backwards ring from the other universe, the one that's that looks for someone weak and looks for someone right paranoid. Again, yes, from so, uh, from what was his name? The the Green Lantern of the uh, Harold Jordan <laughs> of Ultraman's universe. Yeah, uh, power ring. Uh, so um, that's sent to her, and she's cowering there in uh, the uh, the the cupboard or the closet there of uh, in Portland, Oregon. So at least uh, she has a lot of beans. She does. She has super you know, beans. Super beans. If she gets hungry, <laughs> she'll have super flatulence after. <laughs> Maybe the ring can help her with that. But uh, yeah, and again, we have uh, Lex Luthor uh, there also knocking on Alfred's door at the ba- at the Wayne Manor asking... That's great. I'm almost Batman. disappointed that, that, that JL30 came out because now we have another 2 BK. I thought maybe JL30 was going to kind of wrap up and show how he became part of the Justice League in that one issue, but we still got it going on here. So I'm disappointed because it took forever, and now I got to wait for 31, which who knows how long that's going to take. Well, yes. I mean, Justice League 29 and 30 both came out in... Oh no! Actually, we waited for ages for for Superman for Justice League Thirty because it had to obviously tie in with Forever Evil, so it was waiting, waiting, waiting for Forever Evil number seven to come out, which was delayed, delayed, delayed. So um, yeah, hopefully Justice League Thirty One can come out on time next month and you know catch up because uh, we're seeing all the other Thirty Ones out this week, this month. You know, Supergirl Thirty One, Superboy Thirty One, 
uh, Action Comics 31, all those um, 31 issues are out in May, but uh, Justice League 30 came out in May because it had to wait, wait for Forever Evil's number 7 to come out. So hopefully they can catch back up and we can get two Justice League issues in uh, June. Now this reminds me of another thing we talked about last month, and that is that uh, one of the reviewers mentioned that, again, if you don't think about it, it makes sense. But once you stop for a minute and think about what you just read, in one of the Superman Wonder Woman books, they were flying over London and kind of joking and having a romantic moment but not helping to clean up. And I was asking you, what are they cleaning up? What got destroyed? And I think the answer was, I guess, in the Forever Evil books, but Based on what I read, I didn't see in particular that London had gotten destroyed or that it needed to be fixed. And looking at that Batman Wonder Woman book or Superman Wonder Woman book, I didn't see that anybody needed help. So I wasn't sure what he was referring to. Um, and it happened in a Wonder I, Woman comic. I'm also not certain that 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 those stories are in continuity with this forever evil. They are, but they're not happening at the same time. Mm. This could have happened before or could have happened after. after yeah. Uh, because um, you know there are ads in some of these books that are that are showing the Zod Feora fight with Wonder Woman and Superman, but they're going on at the same time as this Forever Evil is going on, but not I don't believe in story time that they they can't be mm. because Superman and Wonder Woman are trapped in Firestorm, so it only makes sense that these stories take place in a different time period. Um, and I, I don't know whether it's before or after, but I don't I don't believe they were being well, we don't care what just happened with Forever Evil, I, I, especially since Forever Evil hadn't even ended yet. Mm. They were trapped. I know. That, so, it's, I, I it, know. It's one of those things you just have to kind of put it aside and, and just enjoy the story. Um, Supergirl. Uh, we just kind of spoke about Supergirl number 31 being out this month. Uh, I didn't read the Red Lanterns tie-in because I was and I was a bit lost because of not having read uh, Red Lanterns, what number is it? Number 30, uh, which came before it um, and led into Supergirl number 31. But both reviews are up on the website now for anybody. Uh, James Lancers has read both of them and reviewed them for us. So if you did read Supergirl number 31 and were a little bit confused about what had happened, uh, it was uh, a follow-on directly from Red Lanterns number 30, uh, which uh, sees the Red Lanterns uh, chasing after this new Red Lantern, who is uh, a judge. Uh, they're calling her Judge. And um, so uh, that's where Supergirl number 31 picks up. Uh, what did you make of, of this issue, Scotty? Well, the way I looked at it was it was just another adventure for this team of Red Lanterns. I didn't read 30 either. Uh, I tried to read, I believe it was 28, that was the flip book, or maybe yep. it was 29, and I hated it. Like I just didn't like the writing. I couldn't get into it at all. And and as you said last month, I just don't really care about the Red Lanterns. I'm not really interested. But I do like that Guy Gardner looks the way he looks now. Um, I'm reminded uh, even as early as um, the beginning of the Justice League title that 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 Guy Gardner still had that weird bowl cut with the weird high collars, uh, and that's even in the new 52. So um, they changed him around. I, I, it probably happened in his story, in his book, but uh, I like that he looks the way he looks now. Uh, what I like about this Red Lantern story in terms of Supergirl, and it happened in Supergirl 31, is that I'm getting a sense that she's a hero now. I'm seeing her mm. trying to talk down people. I'm seeing her saying, well, we can't let these people die. You know, we got to stop this from happening. And, and 
in her own book up to 31 now, I've, I could count the times I've seen her be heroic on like one hand. Yeah, Most right. of the time, it's petulant girl who's punching people because she's angry. And, and the weird thing about that is the whole Red Lantern thing is the rings are – they tap into your anger and that's what gives you power. So it's odd that it's working oppositely for her even though at the beginning it made her very rageful. But now it seems like she's making her more – it's making her more willing to control her anger and better apt at handling that anger in situations where she's trying to be diplomatic and trying to be a hero, which – Maybe is what she needed, and and maybe the the having this red lantern ring for however long she's going to have it is what's going to kind of calm her down, finally. Mm, which is ironic in that uh, in that way. But uh, yeah, Supergirl number thirty one, uh, still tapping into the red lantern story, um, and uh, it is an interesting uh, study of character study for Supergirl with that whole rage thing being really something that she's dealt with the whole time in the new 52 from issue number one onwards and the fact that the red lantern ring itself is uh, teaching her to deal with that anger uh, is ironic in some ways but also uh, interesting for the character's growth and we do know that down the track she will be uh, discarding that red lantern ring uh, and it will be interesting to see how her character has grown how her personality has changed uh, after this uh, saga very interesting. I'm 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 liking the way she's acting now that she's got the ring under control much more than I like the way she acted before she got the ring to begin with. Mm. Now we saw in upcoming solicitations uh, that DC Comics released for September that uh, Superboy number thirty four will be the final issue of that title, um, which is a bit surprising considering that uh, you know where having killed off Connor. Or Connell, uh, with the whole you know um, return to Krypton or Krypton Returns storyline uh, a few months ago, and bringing in John Lane Kent, who's taken over the Superboy you know mantle you know nefariously with his own plans and and doing everything there that you know so the few issues down the track that that'll be it kaput finished done Superboy number thirty Superboy will be finished with number thirty four. I don't know how closely you have looked at the sales numbers for these books um i feel like from what i've heard and from what i've seen superman himself doesn't sell that well you know superman's staying alive mainly because he's superman the book's still selling because he has that name but superboy hasn't sold well since the very first time they tried to give superboy his own comic after the death of superman uh you know i mean they had superboy comics back in the silver age but i'm talking about the version of Superboy that's a clone or whatever you whatever he is, uh, uh, every time you look at it, uh, it was either relaunched or canceled every single time. Um, they're trying as hard as they can, and and I just think this was a very bad effort in terms of trying. I mean, I haven't enjoyed the story really at all. Mm-hmm. Um, I, as I'm caught up now, I do find it becoming a little more interesting. Um, as I was mentioning last month, and I, I did a great Scott on the subject, and, and that is that. It's a little odd to me that a villain is is the main star of Superboy and that he is Superboy at the moment. And and it does seem like I, what I thought was going to happen when I heard Superboy was going to end with 34 was that uh, Connell was going to come back and mm. defeat this Superboy. And we were going to see a, a reset of that timeline that had been causing all the issues or whatever. Now it almost seems like they want to end the title with John 
actually becoming a hero because it, it seems more and more like he's doing things a little like Supergirl, but Supergirl wasn't a murderous, you know, uh, character like this guy is. Mm. But it seems more and more like he, even though he has these machinations going on in his head and he's trying to control people and get them to do what he wants, it, it also seems like he's trying to do things that help people more than he was before and it almost seems like he's doing it not for an alternative motive so it looks almost like they're going to try and redeem him somehow by the end of 34 as opposed to where i thought they were going to go and that was going to be with the resurrection of uh of khan so i'm not sure how this is going to go but it's it got more interesting than it was a little while ago which is odd because i was kind of against um the son of superman being such an evil guy so uh, sad to see that title die. It would have been nice if it had continued on with good stories, but I guess um, uh, the writing was on the wall from from the sales and from the storyline that was put out there uh, from the very beginning. You know, it being a living weapon and and all that kind of stuff just kind of really didn't sit with people. And I don't think being tied to the Teen Titans it, it did him any favors, even though that title was selling better than Superboy. Um, but that's probably because of the fact that it's got so many characters in there that it just pulls in different, uh, bo- you know, readers from um, the different characters themselves. So you know, tie up, uh, uh, team up books or team books are going to always uh, sell well if they've got uh, popular characters all included in the one book. But uh, there it is, Superboy number thirty-four in September will be the final issue of that title. Uh, no word yet if it will be relaunched somewhere down the track, but. Um, we do now only have something like 30-something titles uh, no longer, or 30, I think it's 39 instead of 52, which is what the new 52 was based on. Right, yeah, a lot of things got cancelled, and, and they haven't uh, they haven't added as many as they've taken away, mm. so as the you say, 39. we don't even have 52 anymore. It made, I mean, I thought 52 was uh, way too many when right. they first launched. I thought, there's no way they're going to be able to sustain 52. I'm People sure they can find Five more Comments, Batman but... issues they could put in there? <laughs> right. Well, I mean, they could. If those are the ones that are selling, and it, it, it may hurt us to say it as Superman fans, um, for a long time, I don't believe Superman books have been selling all that well. Mm. But they keep them there. You know, occasionally an issue does well, or it yeah, does well enough to keep 20. it going. But Batman is definitely the most popular, and all of those books sell almost just as well and better than the Superman books. Well, it will be interesting to see what Jeff Johns and uh, John Romita Jr. can do for Superman with uh, Superman number issue 32. Oh, my uh, God. Whether or not that's well, Now that you be... bring that up, Jesus, Mary and Joseph, the, the, the art alone makes me want to burn the book before I even have it in my hands. <laughs> and these are superstar artists. And I thought John Romita Jr. was supposed to be a great artist. The stuff they're showing me there looks like a kid drew it. Mm-hmm. And it's a horrible story about Titano or whatever. Uh, uh, the robotic I mean, Who still wants to read those types of stories? I don't know. Uh, maybe they feel like somebody does and that's going to pick up the numbers. I, I thought... You know, and I and Jeff Johns came up with this whole uh, Forever Evil, and he's written most of the Justice League story up till this point, and I really enjoyed it. You know, I, I maybe maybe having read it in one sitting like that, I don't know how I'm going to do it now that I'm caught up, waiting a whole month to see what's going to happen with Lex at Batman's door. But um, I, I I'm just surprised that, and maybe the story will be great. And, and it doesn't matter what the artwork work is because maybe Jeff Johns can tell a good story as he's done 
with this whole uh, three year catch up I just did in two days. But um, uh, wow, that really that really uh, gave me doubts as to as to how it's going to help the book. Oh, we'll wait and see how it ends up once it's actually published and out there in our hands. Uh, all right, let's move away from our comic book discussion. And uh, I wanted to mention this Superman Hall of Heroes initiative. Uh, it was launched early in uh, May. Uh, sorry, yeah, early in May in Times Square in New York City uh, with uh, a number of real-life people, real-life heroes being recognized and inducted into the inaugural class of the Superman Hall of Heroes. Uh, Matthew Reeve, son of Christopher Reeve, was there to uh, represent his father, who was inducted into the Superman Hall of Heroes. It honors real-day, every he- everyday heroes, people who make a positive difference in the lives of others. And I think it's a, it's a great initiative. I'm glad to see Superman uh, connected with it. It's you know got the Superman logo. The statues that they all received as awards were you know great-looking Superman statues uh, and awards. And you can check out the website at supermanhallofheroes.com and nominate someone in your life or in your community who you think is making a real difference in people's lives. I think it's great. I I'm surprised, you know, with the lack of popularity that Superman is supposed to have. That uh, such a large thing is happening in, in connection with the character, and obviously, his symbol and the idea of him is still one of the most one of the most well known throughout the world. Mm-hmm. So, obviously, that's why it's it's connected, and and uh, I think it's a great, awesome thing, and, and it's it'll be good for New York, and it'll it'll be good for tourism, and and when I go there, uh, I'll certainly check it out. So, uh, it's very exciting. Yeah. So. Uh... The Superman Hall of Heroes, uh, as I said, supermanhalloftheroes.com, and you can uh, nominate someone in your community, in your life, who uh, has, is making a difference uh, in, in real-life situations. Um, so, you know, it's great to see there were people like uh, Brad Globe, Robin Rosenberger, Jeff Chobineau, uh, David Burke, Della Britton-Baser, Alana Nichols, Salvatore Cassano, Matthew Reeve, as I mentioned, Dick Hoyt, Rick Hoyt, and Salvatore Giante, uh, who were all inducted into that inaugural class of the Hall of Superman, Superman Hall of Heroes, and you can find out more about them at that website. Uh, before we move into the big question segment, Scotty, uh, the Superman celebration is on next month in June, June 12th to June 15th. Uh, it will be on before we get around to our next podcast, so we should mention that if you do want to get to the Superman celebration, uh, head to supermancelebration.net to find out all the details about what's going on in Metropolis, Illinois. Scotty and I have both been there. I've been there three times. Scotty was there in 2008. Um, and it is a fantastic event if you're a Superman fan. You should get there. It's got a real festival feel to it. It's something that uh, you know, you'll, you'll enjoy. There's lots to see. Dean Kane's there this year, um, as is... Um, uh, what's his name from the Star Wars movies? Always I just call Billy him D. Lando Calrissian. Yeah, Billy D. Williams. Um, uh, Miss Tessmacher! Valerie Perrine. And um, who else am I forgetting? Oh, Aaron Smolinski. Aaron Smolinski. Um, Elliot S. Magan. A number of other artists and writers in Artist Alley and Writer's Way to check out. Uh, there's a costume contest. There's an auction. There's all different things going on there. It is a real fantastic four-day festival. And uh, the Superman homepage meet and greet will be happening on the Friday morning at 10.30 a.m. at the Hardy's restaurant there, not far from the Superman statue. Uh, there will be DVDs and Blu-rays of Superman movies and, and animated films to give away. Uh, there will be a free Superman homepage button. 
that you can everyone will get. There'll be a trivia quiz happening there. All kinds of stuff happening at the Superman homepage. Meet and greet. You get to meet all the people that you see on the website. Put face to a name, uh, and uh, and just have a good time for uh, for an hour there at the Hardy's restaurant uh, with uh, the Superman homepage meet and greet. Sounds great, and it's only uh, like two weeks away. It's yeah. amazing. So uh, supermancelebration.net for further details. All right, let's move into the big question segment of the show. Let's start with the big question. Last month's big question was, what are your thoughts on Superman, Batman, and Captain America going head-to-head for the same release date? And uh, Martin Gray wrote in, firstly, I can't see that happening, but if they do, so what? People can do go to more than one film in a period of a few weeks. Let's not get too hung up on a supposed rivalry. If films are good, they'll find big audiences. Yep, next up we had Donovan Hunter who writes in saying, I don't think it's going to happen. Both movies are too big to release on the same day. There aren't enough screens for both movies. Both movies can't release in IMAX. Both movies would hurt each other financially at the box office. Box office. There's so much at stake. That's why I think one of them will move off that day, May 6, 2016. But if it does happen, it will be the best weekend ever. Thank you, Stephen Scotty. Keep up the awesome work. Thanks, Donovan. Guthrie McLean wrote, I can't believe these two films will release on the same date and not one will have its date postponed. But why would you want to have two big superhero franchises released on the same date? That's insane. I'd fear that one will beat the other at the box office. However, when I first heard that Bats vs. Supes and Cap 3 would release on the same day, I thought, that won't be a problem. Batman and Superman, that's huge. No contest. But after I saw Captain America 2, I was impressed. So now I'm a little concerned. Yep, fair enough. Uh, Ricky Lee James writes in, he says, I think it would be insane for any movie to go up against the first live-action team-up we've ever had between Superman and Batman. I personally love Captain America and thought Part 2 was a masterpiece, but it's still no competition for Man of Steel in the Dark Knight. Honestly, it would keep me from seeing Captain America 3 because I don't get to patronise movie theatres all that often. To have them both open simultaneously would ensure I won't see Cap 3 in a theatre. Spread it out and I would. Well, uh, there's uh, almost an answer to Guthrie's concerns there about uh, Captain America 2 uh, being so good. Uh, Ricky Lee James doesn't think that it has any, uh, would have any bearing because he would rather see Superman and Batman first. There it is. Argent L wrote, Hey, Stephen Scotty, Superman 2 and Captain America 3 movies premiering on the same day. What a dilemma for all of us who visit at the Superman Captain America homepage. Frankly, I think there's no contest after all. It is Superman. Oh, and throw in another minor character like Batman, Wonder Woman, and Cyborg as a bonus. Stamp my ticket at DC. Thank you, Argent L. Very good. Well, that was the answers to our big question segment this month. Um, what's our new big question, Scotty, for next month's podcast? Well, I would expect we're going to have a number of answers to this one based on what I've heard already. But the question is, what do you think of the title, Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice? Yes, Scotty and I have given our opinions earlier in the show. Now it's your turn to let loose, uh, get involved with the big question segment of our show by clicking on the big question button found at the Superman homepage and send us your response to this question, what you think of the title Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice and we will read out those answers in our next podcast and don't forget you can also uh, record an audio answer and send that in as an mp3 file and we will play that here on Radio KAL. Always fun to hear your own voice on the radio show so go ahead and get recording and now it's time for the Superman comedy sketch. I'm laughing! 
And this month we have a, another sketch from CBC Radio's The Irrelevant Show. We featured a few of their sketches on Superman on our podcast. And this time around we have uh, a little sketch involving the world of Lego and Superman. The Irrelevant Show proudly presents the Lego Superman movie. Hey, Lego Superman. Oh, hey, Lego Batman. Yeah. You look depressed. What is it? I was just thinking about my home planet Krypton and feeling sad that it blew up when I was a baby. Why don't you just put it back together? <laughs> Sorry, what? Well, it's, it's made of Lego. Just, just put it back together. Oh, yeah. Thanks, Lego Batman. That's a great idea. Yeah. No problem. Oh, hey, Lego Batman, while I'm rebuilding my planet, you should put your parents back together. Holy, that is a great idea. <laughs> Not so fast, Lego Superman. I, Lego Lex Luthor, will use my Lego laser to destroy Metropolis and your lady loves Lego Lois Lane and Lego Lana Lang. You will pay for making me bald, everything and everyone you love. Hey, my hair clicked right back on. I look great! I finished building my parents. Krypton is back together. I'm ready to lead a productive life. Wow, this is like the best day ever. So, what do we do now? We don't really have any problems to solve. Nope. Nope. So... This has been the Lego Superman movie. In its entirety. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts. There you have it. Uh, funny stuff. Just putting together Krypton again because it's just made out of Lego. Well, it's very easy when you got Lego bricks. <laughs> Rebuild oh, anything. Let's, uh, let's, and if you, we are short on some of these comedy sketches. There aren't that many around there. So if you do know of something out there that you want us to, to play here on the show, uh, please uh, feel free to email us and let us know. Uh, we're happy for suggestions and for some requests on uh, any comedy sketches involving Superman that you might know of. Only one thing alive with less than four legs can hear this frequency Superman, and that's you. Now it's time for the super secret soundbite. Last month's sound came from the pilot episode of the Justice League animated series, Secret Origins. Yeah, let's hear that uh, sound now so that uh, we can remind people what it was. And I solemnly swear to all of you that I will continue to uphold the ideals of truth and justice, not just for America, but for all the world. There you have it. And uh, who got it. it right this month? Well, only two people guessed where it came from, and those people were Fred Walsh and Dave Booth. Congratulations, Fred and Dave. Well done for guessing yeah. where that came from. Let's see if more people can guess where in the world of Superman this new super-secret soundbite comes from. You're supposed to be grounded, both figuratively and literally. Well, have you any ideas where that sound might have come from? Where in the world of Superman did we take that sound from? Well, if you do know, if you want to have a guess, use the Super Secret Soundbite entry form found at the website and send your entry in. Each person who guesses it right will have their name read out here on Radio KAL. 
It's time now for the Superman song, which is Bye Bye Superman from Geister from their 2004 album, I Love 1984. Yeah, check it out. It's, a, it's an interesting one. Bye Bye Superman by Geister. That's the song. That's our show. Uh, it's been an interesting one. We've had a lot of uh, comic book discussions this month, more than more than usual, but a uh, lot to get through and uh, really enjoyed our, our discussions this month, Scotty. Uh, remember, everyone out there, if you do have a topic that you think Scotty and I need to discuss, uh, maybe there is a song you'd like to request, 
If you have a comedy sketch, as I mentioned, that you'd like uh, us to play here or any other ideas for our show, we're happy to hear from you. You can use the KAL feedback form found at the Superman homepage or you can send us an email directly. My email address is steve at supermanhomepage.com or you can email scotty, scotty at supermanhomepage.com and we will endeavour to use those ideas in a future show. But for now, that is our show for this month. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you, Scotty. Thank you, Steve, and thanks, everybody. And remember, I've got Batman v Superman repellent spray in my pants. You've been listening to Radio KAL, brought to you by supermanhomepage.com.